Here we go, out into the wild blue yonder, flying high over the sea. I think that's what it says. What's up, Muthanomics32, coming at you on a Saturday, December 12th, 2020. Um, how's everybody doing? Haven't podcasted since July, July 9th, to be precise. Um, if Apple uh, timestamps can be trusted on when I uploaded the last podcast, Surviving the Covantifopocalypse, um, which apparently the Covantifopocalypse has merely increased in the last uh, several months. Um, if you didn't listen to that, it was an episode very skeptical about all of the political and social tomfoolery happening, not only in America, but around the globe. And with the addition of the 2020 presidential election here in the United States, that tomfoolery has only been compounded. Whatever do you mean, Brandon? Um, well, you'd have to be willfully ignorant and willfully blind um, to dismiss outright that there has been tomfoolery taking place. Um, so, what does all that mean? Well, I'm labeling this episode Trump is Hitler and other liberal lunacy. And you say, oh no, you can't do that. Trump is Hitler. Um, and you say, well, why do you want to tackle that topic? Well, because I think it gets to the ends justifying the means. And I've had this conversation with a handful of more liberal-leaning acquaintances, and they are 100% convinced that Trump is Hitler. Like, there's no talking them off at that point. They think Trump is Hitler. And, as I may or may not have said before on this podcast, if you truly believe that, then of course the ends, any end would justify the means. Um, if the end is get rid of Hitler 2.0, then any means are therefore justified. And the people that I've had this conversation with, they will talk about 1930s Germany. Uh, they'll talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his plot to assassinate Hitler. And Bonhoeffer and his accomplices in that attempted assassination of Hitler are lauded today as being heroic, as being brave, um, as doing something that their conscience and you could clearly say evidence uh, dictated that they do for the benefit of saving Jewish people, for the benefit of uh, saving lives. Um, and then I've talked before about Helmuth von Mulkey, uh, the German attorney who subverted Hitler from inside of the German legal system and was responsible, credited with saving uh, tens of thousands of Jewish lives through helping Jewish people leave Germany through uh, legal channels. Um, so th th that's what they use. They say, hey, look, we worship Bonhoeffer. And then they conclude, well, look, I'm Bonhoeffer or we are Bonhoeffer. So 
when you bring up the allegations of cheating, you bring up, uh, for instance, in Michigan, 174,000 ballots that can't be traced back to a registered voter. Um, when you bring up 30 some, 40 some thousand uh, people in Nevada who voted who were proven to be out of state, they go, ah, well, yeah, who cares? Really, who cares? Because the ultimate goal is to get rid of Hitler 2.0. Where this leads us is all the way back, I'm going to scroll down here, to a previous episode I did a long time ago. Um, Wow, September 15th, 2018. That's like over two years ago. Um, I I did two episodes back to back called Bad Idea Jeans, <laughs> a play on the, the 90s Saturday Night Live skit where they actually had Bad Idea Jeans, like Levi's uh, denim jeans. But this is jeans, G-E-N-E-S, like bad ideas that are inherent in humans. And the first one was evidence-free argumentation, and the second was evidence-ignoring argumentation. So this has been my response to liberal acquaintances who are... convinced that Hitler um, has manifested himself somehow in the bodily form of Trump. I say, look, essentially what you're saying is that Trump is a tyrant, a dictator, um, or that he has uh, ambitions to be a tyrant or a dictator. And I say, okay, If that's the case, we need to take that term tyrant and we need to look at how tyrants have behaved throughout history. So I'll say take the last hundred years. What are the common elements of a tyrant over the last hundred years? If we're going to use that as as an example. And the two most common things that I believe can be identified with a historical tyrant is one, they confiscate weapons. This happened in China. This happened with Lenin going all the way into Stalin about 12, 13 years later in Russia. It happened with Hitler in Germany. Confiscation of weapons is the first thing historically that tyrants have done. Secondly, right on the heels of that, after confiscating weapons is the concentrated persecution of religion. Again, you see it in China. You see it in revolutionary Russia. In fact, I was reading in the Black Book of Communism, the number of Orthodox priests declined by over 80% in like a two and a half year span when Stalin really began to turn the screws on religion. Um, The same thing happened in Hitler's Germany. And I'm sure you can make the same case in Cuba and in Venezuela and Somalia and other countries that have suffered under the rise of a tyrant or the rise of a dictator. So those two things... That's my argument. Take them or leave them, argue them, debate them. But my premise, my, the argument flows thus. <laughs> if tyrants historically and pretty much universally, their playbook is rule number one, confiscate weapons. 
Rule number two, begin to persecute religion. Then you have to ask yourself, okay, has Trump begun to confiscate weapons? Has he talked in those terms? Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm not looking at the right evidence, but I cannot find any attempts or effort or dialogue or rhetoric or anything with Trump that would say he is attempting to confiscate weapons. He is attempting to outlaw the Second Amendment. In fact, on the contrary, it seems that he is very pro-gun. Just in case you haven't been paying attention, guns are troublesome for wannabe tyrants. Weapons in the populace are impediments to tyrants and dictators. And you say, that's not true. Socialist tyrants and communist dictators, they're just all about love. They just want to embrace everyone warmly and give everybody a hot cup of soup and some buttered bread. Uh, dude, seriously, people, read the Black Book of Communism. The only reason the Russian Revolution didn't happen faster is because the population had weapons. And the reds and the whites and the greens slugged it out across the countryside in cities for like three years on the front end of the Russian Revolution. And it was all a battle over confiscating and consolidating the weapons. And if the whites or the greens would have been able to win a few more battles, Stalin or Lenin's red, which then became Stalin's red, they, they wouldn't have succeeded. It's all about the confiscation and consolidation of weaponry in order to put down the opposition. So, show me the proof, show me the documentation, show me the rhetoric, show me the policy proposals that Trump has put forth where he is attempting to consolidate weapons, where he is attempting to remove weapons from the population. And you go, well, well if that's not true, then he doesn't fit the first characteristic historically of being a tyrant. Second one, which is the communist tyrant dictator playbook. Begin to persecute religion. Again, I ask the question, show me the evidence that Trump is putting priests behind bars, uh, that he's, he's working to pass legislation that would ban religious liberties. You can't do it. So, yeah, he might be crass, he's crude, he's an a-hole, his, his books that he's written on business where he says sometimes you just have to F people. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that he is a moral, upstanding, saintly individual. But I am saying historically, the two main things that dictators and tyrants do, he hasn't been doing those things. So it, it begs the question, why then on earth, and it's why I called this the second half of this episode, and other liberal lunacy, it's, the, it's a lunatic position to have evidence-free, evidence-ignoring argumentation. 
So the only evidence that Trump is Hitler is the mainstream media screaming at the top of their lungs that he's Hitler. The only evidence that Trump is Hitler is leftist lunatics screaming at the top of their lungs that Trump is Hitler. Well, that's not necessarily evidence. That's a declarative statement. It's a declaration. And we don't just take declarations as being true unless they come from the word of God. (laughs) You don't just take declarations and accept them unless you're living, we are living in a lunacy environment, which is what we are. You say, what do you mean? You need to go to brandedmuth.com and watch the Muthonomics video episode of 2,500 years worth of philosophy boiled down into four words. And really, this results from Hume and Kant, and I'm painting with a broom here, but hey, we're dealing with big topics and thousands of years of history. But really, it boils down to Hume and Kant denying that there's a universal set of truths And instead saying that truth only results from the primacy of an individual's ideas. And we have run down that path with full gusto, full vigor. And it's resulted in this lunatic asylum of a nation where we accept a declaration as being truth. I am a insert one of 52 or 58 genders, and that's accepted as being a truth because we've turned universal truth on its head and instead turned it into a never-ending smorgasbord of fleshing out delusions. So, of course, if I say, well, I, I identify as a unicorn, and because the primacy of my individual ideas are paramount and they are the truth, of course it would follow then that any declaration doesn't have to be supported by evidence. So I can declare anything that I want and because my ideas have the upper hand, actual evidence is therefore no longer needed. And that's exactly what we're dealing with when we have leftist lunatics, the mainstream media, Screaming, Trump is Hitler. They don't care. They don't don't even need to be bothered with evidence to the contrary because we've adopted the faulty Humean and Kantian philosophy, which says that it's only the individual's ideas that matter. Therefore, declarations are truth. And it's not even that they're ignoring evidence. Their system, this system, actually believes that evidence is not necessary. So this is a this is a weird time to be alive. It reminds me more and more of the Dark Ages, um, to where declarations from authoritarian figures are the truth, and if you challenge them, you'll be drawn and quartered, tarred and feathered, um, burnt at the stake, etc., etc., Now, if you take a step back and you take a breath and you depoliticize all of this and you ask yourself, okay, well, if historically tyrants confiscate weapons and then persecute religion, 
and you ask yourself objectively, well, who's doing that? You'd come up with a conclusion that was much different than Trump being Hitler. You would come up with the conclusion of, oh, wow, look at all of the leftist groups who are attempting to remove guns from the population. Look at all of the gun control measures under the guise of safety that are attempting to limit the promulgation and distribution and everything else related to guns and ammo. If you then ask yourself, well, who is persecuting religion? You would objectively answer, oh, well, Governor Newsom in California is shutting down services under the guise of safety and public health. Mayor de Blasio, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York are doing the same things with Christian services, Jewish services, Catholic services. And that leads me to conclude, and it should lead any objective person to conclude, and this has become my motto, modus operandi, um, my standard operating procedure, so to speak. And it's quite sad and it's quite jaded, but the evidence will not allow me to conclude anything else. And it's this, since Obama especially, Whatever a leftist is saying, whatever a leftist, more, more specifically, whatever a leftist is accusing someone of, they are in turn doing the exact same thing to the nth degree. So the leftists decry Trump being Hitler. The leftists are the one trying to confiscate guns. And the leftists are the one persecuting religion. Oh, but it's under public health. It's safety. We don't want people to die. Newsflash, the mortality rate is 100%. You're going to die. And the Covantifopocalypse would have you believe that there are body bags littering, littering the sidewalks. And there's crematoriums disposing of all the corpses who've been slayed by the evil COVID-19, when in reality, 99.997% recover. This isn't some contagion movie from 2011 where Kate Winslet dies and whoever all the other famous actors and actresses, and yes, I'm still calling them actors and actresses because they are male and female, um, you're a monster. Um, get used to it. It's called language. Peter Kreeft, author of, so of Socratic Logic, says that language is the home for thoughts. And without language, thoughts become homeless. And he concludes that homelessness for thoughts is just as dangerous and destructive as homelessness for people. So yeah, I'm going to adhere to language. But that's a whole nother side note. Um, so yeah, we, we, have to, we have to take a step back. We need to take a breath. And we need to, a couple things. One, understand that Kantian and Humean philosophy have completely derailed rational thought. It's gotten to the point of pure absurdity. Because we have discarded with a universal set of truths which are meant to be discovered and we've instead replaced them with no universal truth 
And the only thing that matters is an individual's ideas. And all that does is instead of undiscovering uh, universal truth, I talk about this in the Muthonomics video I mentioned previously at brandonmuth.com, um, 2,500 years of philosophy condensed into four years, four words. Instead of discovering universals, we've turned it on its head and all we're doing is unraveling delusions. And at this point in time, it's creating a post-fact society. It's evidence-free, it's evidence-ignoring, um, and it's because the, the foundational philosophy is my ideas are all that matter. And I declare those ideas, and when I declare them, they are then irrefutable. And that's a mess. That is an absolute cluster you-know-what. I think that's probably where the uh, abbreviation FUBAR came from, perhaps. Somebody saw into the future and said, man, this Humean and Kantian nonsense is going to result in a situation that is abbreviated FUBAR. And that's where we are. The third thing that tyrants and dictators do historically is they separate out minority groups and begin to persecute them. So again, you'd have to, you would have to present evidence if Trump is Hitler, you would need to then present evidence that he is segmenting out minorities and subsequently persecuting them. He put children in cages. Obama, literally, 2014, time-stamped photo. But no, he's Hitler. See, so you, you declare something and it becomes a post-fact society. He cut off... China travel in January, which apparently now he did too late because a virus can't travel through air. Um, so the, the two examples, those are the two examples you're going to hear that Trump is Hitler in, in this third category of persecuting people, persecuting minority groups is that he put children in cages, which is literally Obama's program, timestamp photos with his DHS secretary. Um, and secondly, it's that he cut off the borders, um, air travel to China. Um, I've heard it's because he deports MS-13 gang members. Um, I've heard it that it's that he deports illegal immigrants. Um, well, you have to ask yourself if, if he is a tyrant and he is going to implement this third category of historical tyrannical behavior, which is the oppression, and persecution of minority people groups, why on earth would his support among the African-American community have increased between 2016 and 2020? Why on earth would his support among the Cuban-American community increase? Why on earth would his support among the Hispanic-American community increase? Those are questions that need to be answered. And the only answer I saw was a leftist lunatic declaring, again, my ideas and my declarations are ex nihilo. Um, it was that white supremacy is so ingrained in our society that people in minority groups are forced to go along with it. That is why 
President Trump's support increased with minority groups. <laughs> I mean, it, if you if you stop and take a step back, you would need to then go and ask yourself, okay, if that premise is true, if the the allure and the almost kind of like hypnotic drug-inducing power of white supremacy is so prevalent and so mysterious and so impenetrable that you can't resist it. You would have to go back and look at Nazi Germany and you would need to find evidence that Hitler's support amongst Jewish people grew you would have to find that Hitler's support amongst gypsies grew. Oh, the other the other category that people don't want to look at is that Trump's support among the homosexual community increased as well. Um, he was the first president to have a openly gay man in his cabinet, Richard Grinnell. Um, the media is lauding the fact that Obama, uh, Biden has been announcing an quote-unquote all-female White House communication staff and conveniently overlooking the fact that Trump has had the same thing. His communication staff has been uh, chaired, led by women. Same with Vice President Pence. Same with the, the flotus, as they call her. Sounds like some sort of flower, the flotus. Um, so you'd have to go back and show... That Hitler's, if, if, if white supremacy and all this stuff is so alluring and so overpowering, then Hitler's support would have increased among gypsies, homosexuals, Jewish people, immigrants, etc., etc., etc. So, meaning, while they were getting thrown into concentration camps, they're saying, Heil Hitler! We love Hitler! His support increases. He continues to persecute us and murder us and machine gun us and gas us and take our businesses away and force us to hide in attics or try to flee over the borders in the dark of night. But we support him even more now than we did previously. That is a position of a lunatic. And that's what the burden of proof in my mind would have to be for these leftist lunatics today saying or trying to explain that the reason Trump's support increased among minority groups is because it's bewitching. It's so powerful that it bewitches you and causes you to abandon all rational thought. So we are at an impasse as a nation. I will certainly say that. Um, because what is is being called what is not, and what is not is being called what is. The Bible talks about that as being what is good is called evil, what is evil is called good. In philosophical circles, that's the definition of a lunatic. Go pick yourself up a copy of Socratic Logic by Peter Kreeft, and he talks at length about this, that the realm of lunacy is when... What is becomes what is not, and what is not becomes what is. And that's exactly what we're doing. What is, is that the left are displaying the characteristics of historical tyrants and historical dictators. 
That's what is, but it's being called what is not. And what is, is that Trump, who is supposedly Hitler reincarnated, is not displaying the attributes of historical tyrants and historical dictators, yet it is being called what is. So we are living in an era, as I said earlier, that is very representative of the Dark Ages in my mind. Galileo, this might have been a little bit after the Dark Ages, Galileo says, hey, my math, I've I've been crunching numbers, people, and my math shows that I think our whole uh, model of the Earth being the center of the universe might be kind of wrong. Heretic! Excommunicate and burn him at the stake. Well, Galileo was stating what is, and it was judged as roundly condemned as being what is not. And the authorities at the time were stating what is not, i.e. the Earth is the center of the solar system, yet they were declaring it as what is. That's happening over and over and over and over again. So, you know, it's to the point, in fact, I read on the Babylon Bee this morning uh, a satirical headline as they are known for doing, which said, unborn fetuses disguise themselves as death row inmates in order to get liberals to support their right to live. And again, we are calling what is not, and we're calling what is not is. So death row inmates who are proven guilty in a court of law by a jury of their peers with in one one of the guys that was that was executed last couple days with fresh saliva DNA on the victim's body, fresh semen DNA on the body. He's he's innocent. He has a right to live. And yet the height of innocence a fetus in a mother's womb is torn limb from limb and extricated through the birthing canal in pieces with forceps and pliers. So the guilty is called innocent and the innocent is called a woman's choice. These are peculiar times to say the least. And I make no predictions on how they'll shake out. Historically, uh, these sorts of, these sorts of, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like an operating system that has, has too many competing processes running at once and it freezes and it needs to be defragmented or uh, the, the hard drive needs to be reconfigured. Um, these are peculiar times. And one of the things in Peter Kreef's book that is sobering is he says that logic is dangerous. And he gives historical examples of people who lost either liberties or wealth or uh, even life by insisting on being logical. And... I think the same can be said 
today to state the obvious, to, to go counter someone's individual declaration and to counter that with objective evidence as you've seen in the media, is a very dangerous thing. You are accused of being a homophobe or uh, a white supremacist or a racist or a monster or insert any number of adjectives that the left uh, attempts to declare against anyone who dares challenge their delusions. So the remedy, the remedy is... Well, there, there's a couple of remedies. From a spiritual side, the remedy would be fall on our faces, repent of our sins, trust the Lord, and seek to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's probably, you know, the most surefire remedy. Um, I haven't seen that happen throughout history very much anywhere, if at all, um, from a national standpoint. Maybe, maybe Israel at times in the in the Old Testament did that, but they quickly forgot about it and went back to their own rebellious ways. Um, I think logically speaking, the way through this is for everyone to become logical, but the odds of that happening, <laughs> the odds of everyone shutting off their phones, turning off their Netflixes, and reading a book on Socratic logic and realizing, wow, Kant and Hume were off the rails and maybe we should move back towards Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. Um, the odds of that happening, I would say, are incredibly slim. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to hold out hope and I'm not going to use this here podcast to encourage you to do that. Um, so I'll give you, I'll give you just a couple things to chew on um, in terms of becoming better at being a logical and critical thinker. And we're going to go with TPA. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to forget TPA, just remember it's the airport code for Tampa, where we lived for 12 years. Tampa International Airport is TPA. Um, in order to be a better, better logician, a uh, better person, better critical thinker, you need to identify three things. TPA. The first is terms. The second are premises or propositions, things put forth as being uh, true. And then the third is the argument. Is the argument logical? Um, is it logically valid or invalid? And terms need to be clear. Premises need to be judged as being either true or false, and then the argument needs to be concluded as being either valid or invalid. And if you have clear, clear, unambiguous terms, true premises, then it must follow that the argument is valid. Um, only then can the argument be deemed as being valid, the conclusion being true. And I think what we're suffering from in today's day and age is right out of the gate, our terms are incredibly ambiguous. So 
In reading through this book, I think the first baby step that you need to take as an individual, that I need to take as an individual, that we that we need to take as a society, is we need to tighten up the ambiguousness of our terms. And until we clarify terms and we insist that those terms be clear, not just on a personal declaration, but on objective evidence, then we're not going to go anywhere because individuals will continue to scream Trump is Hitler, which the term is very clear. The term lacks unambiguity, but the evidence to support those that term is incredibly vague. It's incredibly unambiguous, and it results back to an appeal to authority, which again, under a Humean and Kantian philosophical framework, is the authority is the individual. Um, so my, my outlook is quite pessimistic. <laughs> Um, it's quite pessimistic. I blame Kant. I blame, blame Hume. I blame uh, the laziness of Americans to get caught up in ad hominem central. All we care about is against the man. I get it if you don't like Trump. He's a dick. He's pompous. He's arrogant. He's bloviating. He's an egotist. I mean, he takes credit for everything under the sun. Like we could, we could discover that an asteroid, you know, as I think, I think there is an asteroid, you know, buzzing the earth in quotation marks, buzzing, meaning, you know, several hundred thousand miles away, you know, that, that thing will buzz the earth and Trump will probably come out and take credit for it. I mean, he's, he is a megalomaniac in that sense. And I get it if you don't like him. Um, and I have a very, very hard time liking him, but it's equally difficult for me to assent to the claim that he's Hitler when he doesn't fit the two and three primary ways that tyrants and dictators have exercised their tyrannical behavior over the last hundred years. Um, And I think that's maybe another thing that we're suffering from. Not only are we suffering from unambiguous terms, terms that mean nothing other than the declaration of what the feeling that I want to put behind them. So the terms have really been replaced with feelings. I feel this way. And because I feel this way, it is therefore true. And again, that's the realm of lunacy. That's what insane asylums used to be chock full of. I'm a unicorn. Okay, you're going to be in a straight jacket for a while. Um, I'm Jesus. I can walk on water and heal people. All right. You might need some meds there, homie. But not anymore. That would be considered a hate crime. This guy thinks he's the Messiah. He's going around healing people and demanding that they don't take their cancer medication. Well, he's clearly a nut job. You're just mean. That's a hate crime. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Just like that girl from the original Annie from 1983, I think. I think that was when that was. I showed that movie to our kids this last weekend. 
Um, because it's one of the first movies I remember. The first movie I remember seeing was Benji. Um, I want to say it was probably 1983. I might have been four or five. My mom took me to the theater in Flagstaff, Flagstaff, Arizona, and we watched Benji and those those evil criminals. Remember, they stole. Did they did they rob it? No, they didn't rob a bank. They stole. Oh, they kidnapped the kids. Why did they kidnap the kids? I just remember being really terrified. I was like super excited to go to the movies. Let's go to the movies. Da, 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 da. Let's go see the stars. Welcome to the whoop. Um, whatever the lyrics were from the Annie song with Punjab. Um, what did Daddy Warbucks say? Punjab. Buy out the eight o'clock show. Let's all go to the movies. Um, Albert Finney with his bald head. That guy, that guy could act, man. When I saw that as a kid, I thought Albert Finney was like 965 years old. I thought he was pushing Methuselah's record for longest living human. And then when I watched it with my kids this last weekend, I was like, holy crap, I think I'm older than he is. Yikes. Um, but yeah, the first movie I remember seeing was Benji. And I don't remember why the kidnappers kidnapped the two kids. Um, but I do remember Benji was on, on the, he, he had courage. He had wisdom. He had courage. He had more logical thought than most leftist lunatics do today. He could put one and one and one together and conclude that it was two, not put one and one together and declare that it was 117. And if you said otherwise, you were a monster and deserved to go to a gulag. Benji's logic is better than most modern leftist lunatics. Let that sink in. A canine, a fluffy flea-ridden canine had better reasoning skills to identify the bad guys and go seek out help than leftist lunatics do today. If that doesn't give you a glimpse into the level of optimism that I have for our future as a country, you should probably listen to that again. Anyway, Benji, I just remember being scared. Leading up to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I get to go to the movies for the first time. And then they got kidnapped and I was like, I just became, I was like, dude, I'm going to get kidnapped. I need a dog. We don't have a dog, mom. I'm going to get kidnapped and I'm never going to get found because I don't have a Benji on my side. Um, So I didn't like the movies after that. And then that poor little Fifi or whatever, his little girlfriend dog, the white dog that the mean guy kicked and like corpsed it. It was like a dog corpse. He got angry and just booted it to the side and the little dog said, and it was just lying there. And I thought, he murdered the poor Fifi dog. This is terrible. Um, and then there was that anxiety-laden scene where Benji got stuck in the bank somehow. He got stuck in the bank and was like running down the hall and he was trying to get the attention of the bank worker who had left. And I was like, how can there be so much angst and anxiety and terribleness in a children's movie? Thanks a lot, Mom. Um, I love you, though. I love you is the thought that counts. Um, anyway, Benji finally gets on the little intercom teller and pushes the button. And then she looks, oh, my dear, how did you get stuck in there? And then somehow the security guard, the little rent-a-cop guy lets him out. I think that rent-a-cop must have, I think that same guy, he was also the, um, I'm, I'm, this is totally five-year-old memory, like the memory of a five-year-old, maybe even a four-year-old. So it's probably wildly inaccurate, but I think that cop was the same dude that played the dog catcher in Annie. Remember 
Hey. Thanks, I got a dog. No, wait, mister, that's my dog. What do you mean? Well, he doesn't have a collar or a leash. But mister, he's my, my father's seeing eye dog. If we don't have him, my father will starve. And he says, all right, call him. Sandy, come here, Sandy. Come on, Sandy. I think that dude is the, is the cop that let Benji out, um, which is probably not accurate. But it sure seems like that guy played the same character over and over again. He was either a dog catcher or a rent-a-cop, I think, in every role he played. Um, so anyway, Annie, we watched Annie and my kids were like, wow, this thing, one, is way too long. Two, it's kind of creepy. Um, and it just didn't have the same effect that it did when I watched it as a kid. I think Annie was the second movie that I saw back in the day. And man, FDR just reminded me, I'm going on rabbit trails here, but it reminded me what a bad president FDR was. Um, I blame all the ills of modern America on FDR. <laughs> pack in the court. He was a pack in the court chump back in the day. Um, I think FDR was the closest we've had to a tyrannical president. That guy was an authoritarian dressed in a paraplegic outfit. Um, goes to show you that just because you're uh, unable to use your extremities properly doesn't mean that you've got the the soul of a dark ghoul. Um, he did the Great New Deal. He saved lives. He gave people jobs. Um, all right, whatever. Yeah, and he also set the stage for AOC to give us the Green New Deal under the same premises of that the government should eliminate all fear and want. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Get off the uh, entertainment teat. Unhook your lips from the uh, social media teat, the Netflix teat. Read a book. Take a trip. It's in a book. The Reading Rainbow. Muthanomics 33. Trump is Hitler and other leftist lunacy in the bag, B-A-G. Uh, send your questions, hate mail, and threatening statements to podcast at muthonomics.com. Talk to you next week. Peace.